Tonight, unrelenting grief for an unthinkable tragedy. Troubling new questions in a deadly bus attack at a Quebec daycare. Frightening first-hand accounts. We heard the screams and I was the first under the bus. And an emotional vigil for the victims as a shattered community searches for answers. The excruciating weight in the earthquake zone. Deepening desperation as the death toll hits a staggering new high. Plus, Canadian avalanche control up close. Public safety is our number one priority. A rare glimpse into a crucial quest to save lives. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. We begin again tonight with the sorrow of a Montreal suburb that is reverberating across the country and the eyewitnesses who raced to rescue victims moments after a city bus slammed into a Laval daycare. Overnight, that bus was towed away from what is now a crime scene. And there are more questions emerging about the driver accused of deliberately killing Two children. CTV's Quebec Bureau Chief Genevieve Beauchemin on the investigation and the community's powerful display this evening of strength and solidarity. In memory of two children, mourners gathered at a candlelight vigil tonight. This in front of the Saint-Rose-de-Lima church, where priest Michel Bouchard is preparing a funeral for a boy he baptized here just three years ago. It's awful. It's, it's unbelievable that it's happened. Thoughts of the children haunt those who witnessed the crash <laughs> and those who jumped in to help. We heard the screams and it was, it, I was the first under the bus. André Baudouin, dad of a two-year-old at the daycare, helped pull out four children pinned under the bus. Quebec Premier François Legault thanked him and promised to look at ways to secure daycares from attacks. Investigators continue their search for clues as to the motive. Little is known about the suspect, bus driver Pierre-Ni Saint-Amand. He seemed kind, says a neighbor. I often saw him playing with his family. Now this hurts. It's right in front of me. I have to face this. Saint-Amand seems to have no ties to the daycare. Though it was along his bus route, his children didn't attend Saint-Rose. His wife did not work here. And Quebec has no record of him seeking care for mental health issues. I think it's important because the, of the question of the, of the individual having a mental health disorder to, to, to state that there is no evidence that it was the case. The daycare's owner and educators are devastated they could do nothing to protect the toddlers in their care. And Legault urged them and anyone affected to seek help. Tonight, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau praised the first responders, the heroes who've emerged, and those in this community leaning on one another. All we can do is be there for each other, and that's, that's what people in this community, that's what people across the country do. Among the children who were brought to St. Justin Hospital here in Montreal, two were released, and the others are in stable condition. A ray of hope through overwhelming grief, Omar. A city that's been through so much, Genevieve, thank you. And another tragic loss north of Laval, the bodies of six people, including four children, all under the age of eight, 
were found inside a home after a fire early this morning. Police were called to the scene around 1 a.m. after neighbors say they heard an explosion. The cause is under investigation, though police say the fire is not considered suspicious. After days of delay, the first U.N. supplies finally reached the Syrian quake zone. A convoy of six U.N. trucks crossed the border today. Cold weather is magnifying the need for more aid. We need it urgently through the fastest, most direct and most effective routes. Delivery has been complicated by 10 years of deadly civil war that's left 13 million Syrians displaced inside the country. More than 21,000 people have now died in Turkey and Syria, and that number expected to rise. Today, CTV's chief international correspondent Paul Workman was in a town near the border between those two devastated countries. Wherever you look in Islahia, wherever your eyes take you, the devastation defies belief. Half the city's buildings, gone. Reduced to a shocking and riveting tangle of broken concrete, of smashed cars and personal belongings, and lives lost. With immense grief and unbearable sorrow for those who survived. This woman says she won't leave here until the bodies of 15 family members are recovered. So she and many others sit quietly together and watch. As rescue teams, now recovery teams, drill and cut their way through layers of heavy concrete, knowing what they're going to find. Can somebody hear us, they yell. There's still hope of finding people alive, that a voice might be picked up on special listening equipment, but very slim hope. We're just trying to find their bodies, sobs this man who's been searching through the rubble himself. The grim result is visible on a street corner, bundled in heavy blankets. The gathering place for bodies to be counted, identified and taken away for burial. Islahia is a railway border crossing into Syria, and some of the cars have been taken over by Syrian refugees driven out of their houses by the quake and afraid to return. Every second we were thinking about another earthquake, he says, so we came here where it's safer. In a city left in a state of utter devastation, without enough people to search for the dead and many more bodies to be found. A three-month state of emergency went into effect in 10 Turkish provinces today, as the country's president described the earthquake as the disaster of the century, Omar. CTV's Paul Workman in Gaziantep again tonight. This is the fourth night of searches, and while the reality is there won't be many more, there were some extraordinary scenes today. In the city of Adiyaman, a young child was carried out from the debris after being stuck for 83 hours. But those moments are the exception, as CTV's Tom Walters saw firsthand today. Where the ground shook from the forces of nature, it shakes now from the pounding and clawing of heavy equipment. Here, the dust had two days to settle before rescuers stirred it up again. So after a late start, and with time already running out, 
There is desperate urgency in this search for survivors in the Turkish city of Adiyaman. This is the wreckage of what used to be a seven-story apartment building. It's thought that 30 to 35 people may be trapped inside. Voices were heard there as recently as yesterday, but nothing today. Yeteru chars as if help had come sooner, more people would be alive. But she says that for 48 critical hours, quake-damaged roads kept rescuers and equipment from getting here. Now an excavator gently brushes away debris, layer by layer, exposing gaps where someone might still be alive. Uchar's uncle and aunt are among those who were trapped when the building came down. Mustafa Chalik knows what that feels like. He was on the fourth floor of a nearby tower, now reduced to a two-story pile of rubble. And he was buried for half an hour. I was so afraid, he says, suspended between life and death until relatives pulled him free from that terrible limbo. I was taken to hospital, he says, with cuts on my face. Others wish for that kind of luck. I hope someone is still alive, Uchar says, but she is only talking about her uncle now. Today, she learned the fate of her aunt. Tom Walters, CTV News, Adiyaman, Turkey. Among the despair and devastation, there is one more remarkable moment we want to show you from Turkey. Rescue workers saved a dog buried up to its neck in the ruins of a building, slowly digging it out by hand. The dog's name is Pamuk, and it's being cared for by neighbors. Its owner is in hospital. Ukraine's president made an emotional plea for more weapons inside the European Parliament in Brussels today. His Excellency Volodymyr Zelensky. Zelensky also again urged the European Union to consider his country's bid to join the 27-member body, insisting the bloc won't be complete without Ukraine. The EU has provided more than $50 billion in aid to the country since the Russian invasion last year. A cyber attack has crippled Canada's largest bookstore chain and its website remains down more than 24 hours after the breach. CTV's Heather Wright on why Indigo was seeing red today and how companies may soon be on the hook when their own systems are hacked. Customers shopping at Indigo stores across the country are warned when they enter. All sales are cash only. Didn't understand why and uh, no one's talking about it in there, I can tell you that much. The reason? A massive cyber attack Wednesday afternoon. Indigo's website is down and it can't process electronic payments, except gift cards or handle returns. Basically, they are not in business. Their cash flow is essentially reduced to a trickle. We call these business killer type events because uh, the longer they go on, the harder it is for any business to recover. Indigo says it's working with third-party experts to investigate what happened and resolve the situation. The company, which includes Chapters and Kohl's, hasn't said whether personal data was breached, but tech experts say it's a common tactic. Almost in all cases of ransomware, you have the data being stolen first. So 
they make a copy of it, then they go back, they lock up the systems, and then they make one or two extortion demands. This is just the latest in a string of cyber attacks targeting Canadian organizations, which are disruptive and costly. A security breach at Sobey's parent company Empire in November left customers unable to fill prescriptions for four days, while self-checkout machines were down for a week. The incident is expected to cost roughly $25 million. Legislation currently making its way through Parliament is aiming to beef up Canada's cybersecurity rules and includes stiffer fines for companies with insufficient technology to detect breaches and those who don't respond quickly to an attack. That is key. Right. If you can detect it quickly, then it limits the damage. Quebec has already passed similar legislation, which Indigo would be subject to. And the company could be penalized if they are found to have been negligent in any way regarding this breach. Omar. All right, Heather Wright in Toronto tonight. Heather, thanks. One of the biggest cannabis companies in the world, based here in Canada, announced major job cuts today in another sign the industry is struggling. Canopy Growth is laying off 800 workers in a bid to cut costs, along with closing and consolidating some sites. That includes winding down its main facility in Ontario. CTV's Adrian Gobriel reports. Once the home of Hershey Chocolate Canopy Growth's plant in eastern Ontario was the Willy Wonka of weed factories. Investors salivated over these edibles and beverages. In the community of Smith Falls, this facility meant jobs and hope for the future. Today, that dream went up in smoke. You have, you know, a lot of people that are going to be struggling. Today's layoff announcement is just the latest at the once promising pot producer. This fiscal year, Canopy Growth has cut 60% of its workforce. Shares in Canopy Growth, the cannabis giants coming under pressure. In 2019, Canopy stock hit nearly $70. Today, it plummeted to about three bucks a share. Canopy's former CEO forecasted the company's continued decline when he sat down with CTV News in the fall. But if your sales are declining and the market is fractioning and you're losing, you can't cut fast enough to arrive at a happy outcome. Today's announcement will also affect the company's operations in Quebec and BC. It's darn near impossible to get a return on your investment. Regulated suppliers and retail stores have struggled to compete with the illegal market. A review of the Canadian Cannabis Act is underway, though industry leaders say the time has nearly run out for Ottawa to amend its legislation. We uh, can't wait for a long process from the Cannabis Act review. We can use it as an opportunity to profile the need for urgent action now. Those who call Smith Falls home now left with the familiar feeling of an uncertain future. Being born and raised here, I can say that... uh, You know, it feels a lot like what happened in the Hershey days. To put Canopy Growth's decline into perspective, Omar, today they announced a third quarter loss of $267 million. All right, Adrian, thanks. Time for a short break, but when we come back... Blasting Canada's backcountry for avalanche safety. Plus... Raindrops keep falling on my head. Remembering hitmaker Burt Bacharach. So I just did some talking to the sun And I said I didn't like the way people got things done Sleeping on the job Those raindrops keep falling on my head In pristine parts of Alberta tonight, there are warnings about the risk of deadly avalanches. The solution for the unstable snowpack, blow it up. 
CTV's Alberta Bureau Chief Bill Fortier got a first-hand look at a critical operation. One of Canada's great scenic drives, the Icefields Parkway linking Banff and Jasper National Park brings beauty, but also a sense of danger. Not everyone really understands that this is a backcountry adventure all by itself. We have no cell coverage. We have... Uh, um, no services. And the risk of an avalanche is always present. On this day, the threat level is increased by fresh snow. So Parks Canada launches what's known as an avalanche control operation. Powerful explosives are loaded up and flown to 36 mapped out avalanche paths. The parkway itself is shut down during these operations for safety reasons as crews target areas of fresh, loose snow on slopes like this one before it comes down on its own, putting people at risk. Inside the helicopter, the fuses are lit and the charges are dropped on suspected weak spots. Then... The blast trigger avalanche after avalanche after avalanche. Spectacular and powerful columns of snow race down the mountains, followed by what are known as air blasts. One washed over us, though we were far from any danger. I think that today went uh, quite well, actually. Teresa Tureka is tasked with dropping the powerful explosives in just the right spot as the helicopter hovers close to the mountainside. We all recognize that there are risks that are associated with this. There is definitely a feeling of satisf satisfaction or feeling of job well done at the end of the day. It's been a deadly avalanche season with five deaths already in Western Canada, including two brothers from Pennsylvania and two off-duty police officers from Nelson, B.C. The goal of this operation is to prevent further loss. There's always a risk of avalanches on the Icefields Parkway in the winter. Um, you know, we can never get it to zero. Once the aerial operation is complete, plows move in so the parkway can be reopened and travelers can again take in the views without being stranded or worse by something like this. Bill Fortier, CTV News, Banff and Jasper National Parks. Still ahead tonight, Chris Hadfield's Royal Reception. He had a cosmic view of the planet. Today, he got an audience with the king. Alberta's premier weighed in today on the political handshake that caused a stir and became a symbol of her province's often frayed relationship with Ottawa. The greeting between Danielle Smith, Palm Down, and the prime minister earlier this week was described as awkward. Today, she said she'd already shaken his hand before the photo op. So I was taken a bit by surprise that he wanted to shake hands again. So it was, we kind of missed the landing. It was a little bit awkward, but we ended up having a, a really good discussion after that. And a far less awkward greeting between retired Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield and King Charles. The former commander of the International Space Station met the Royal at Buckingham Palace and spoke about sustainability efforts in space. Hadfield tweeted this image after his audience with the monarch, writing... It was a pleasure to be asked to advise and assist and make the king laugh, although he didn't say exactly what triggered that reaction. Librarians in Winnipeg must have smiled when they checked in a copy of The Catcher in the Rye. That was 33 years late. We came across a box that was labeled in my mother's handwriting that just said Jen's books. Um, and I opened the box and started going through them and came across this one and then opened the cover and discovered to my horror that it was actually a library book, not my book.
It should have been returned by November 10th, 1990. The library no longer finds late returns, but the cost would have been about $11. Glad it is back where it belongs. Coming up next, the priceless genius of Burt Bacharach. His love, sweet love. His no lasting legacy and enduring music. But everyone. The music world is remembering a remarkable artist and composer tonight who wrote his first song at Montreal's McGill University and went on to work with some of the best singers of our time. Bert Bacharach died of natural causes at the age of 94. CTV's Richard Madden on The Man Behind the Melodies. Celebrated composer Burt Bacharach gave the world his gift of music that spanned generations. For over 50 years, Bacharach wrote dozens of hits performed by some of the biggest names in the business. An extraordinary career for a composer who had troubles learning the piano as a kid. I think I had to play Claire de Lune and I blew it and I flunked. So did I think I had any talent? No. Born in Kansas City in 1928, Bacharach moved to New York on a music scholarship where he would eventually blend his musical talents with the movies. A raindrops keep falling on my head. He won his first Oscar for the theme song from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and another for the theme song from the film Arthur. His marriage to his second wife, actress Angie Dickinson, made them Hollywood royalty. In the 90s, Bacharach's career experienced a resurgence. Gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach. In 2012, President Barack Obama paid tribute to him and his songwriting duo Hal David with a Gershwin Prize for popular music. Well, how can I forget you, to this day, his songs continue to get remade across every genre, from pop to samples on hip-hop. Bacharach died peacefully at home in California, leaving behind an unforgettable legacy. Richard Madden, CTV News, Washington. And that is a snapshot of this Thursday. John Venavelli Rao is here tomorrow. We leave you now with a song composed by the masterful Burt Bacharach and a message that still resonates today, nearly six decades after it was released. For all of us at CTV National News, thank you for watching and good night.